48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Richard Pine. The headlines. The chairman of the Langkwai Fong Group, Alan Zeman, says bars could reopen next Friday if coronavirus numbers continue to drop. Pressure grows on the government to distribute another round of cash handouts. And ousted lawmaker Sixtus Leung gets the nod to file an appeal with the city's top court against his conviction for unlawful assembly. The chairman of the Langkwai Fung Group, Alan Zeman, says authorities will allow bars to reopen from September the 18th after a two-month closure if coronavirus case numbers continue to fall. Some anti-epidemic measures were eased at midnight, allowing people to meet together and eat in restaurants in groups of four. Sports facilities, apart from swimming pools, have also been reopened. Mr Zeman says if bars can reopen next Friday, he also hopes the dining-in ban, which starts at 10pm, will be moved to midnight. Traditional bar, bar, as we, as you know, just for drinking, they're having major problems. I mean, uh, many of them are on life support. I don't know how much longer they can hang on. So the government has said that uh, if the numbers continue to come down, that hopefully September 18th, which I think is next Friday, they should have the okay to go ahead, and hopefully it'll be forward to a table as well. The Secretary for the Civil Service, Patrick Nipp, says he's happy to see that more than one and a half million people have taken part in the government's universal community testing program for COVID-19. The scheme was extended to Monday and 57 of the original 141 test collection centres will remain open. Mr Nipp says these centres are mostly in business districts or near public housing estates. So far, 21 new COVID-19 cases have been found under the testing program. The Association for Democracy and People's Livelihood has urged the government not to pay for the universal COVID testing scheme, saying the program is ineffective and a waste of resources. The civil service chief, Patrick Nipp, who's in charge of the initiative, hasn't put a price tag on the scheme, but said the SAR will pay for the setting up of testing centres. Chief Executive Carrie Lamb said Beijing will foot the bill for the laboratories. The ADPL's Calvin Ho staged a protest outside a lab in Shengwan, urging the government to send the bill to Beijing. In our opinion, that's not fair because at the very beginning, uh, the government said all the program costs will be paid by the central people government. At this moment, you're saying that, oh, Hong Kong people should be responsible for part of the cost. Then why didn't you say that at the very beginning? Then why didn't you make it clear that all of us will have has the responsibility to pay for the program costs? Pressure is mounting on the government to distribute another round of cash handouts to all Hong Kong residents to boost the economy as the coronavirus situation improves. DAB Chairwoman Starry Lee told an RTHK program that a handout was the most efficient way to facilitate a U-shaped economic recovery. The party wants at least $5,000 for each citizen. On the same program, roundtable lawmaker Michael Teen said the handout should be, uh, be $10,000. He said many people were jobless or un employed and had already spent most of the previous $10,000 handout. A former head of the observatory, Lam Chu Ying, has urged the chief executive, Carrie Lam, to fire executive councillor Tommy Chung, accusing him of being arrogant and rude. Wendy Wong reports. In a letter to the CE, Mr Lam said Mr Chung repeatedly insulted government officials publicly amid the COVID-19 outbreak when he was supposed to support the administration as an exco member. He was commenting after Tommy Chung told an RTHK program yesterday that he thought government doctors did not know how to make risk assessments amid the pandemic. Mr Chung, who represents the catering sector, is unhappy that restaurants and bars have been seriously affected by social distancing restrictions. 
Mr Lam said Mr Chen's groundless criticism pressured civil servants, undermined morale and damaged the image of the Executive Council. He accused him of attaching importance only to the catering sector while ignoring the overall interests of Hong Kong society and demanded he apologise and quit Exco. Ousted lawmaker Sixtus Leung is a step closer to appealing his conviction for unlawful assembly when he and another young inspiration lawmaker, Yao Wai-ching, tried to force their way into a LegCo meeting room to retake their oaths of office in 2016. Jimmy Choi reports. The Court of First Instance granted permission for Sixtus Leung to apply for leave to appeal to the city's top court after he was convicted of unlawful assembly and began serving a four-week jail sentence last week. It approved one argument presented by Mr. Leung's lawyer, Douglas Kwok, who argued that Mr. Leung had not known at the time that his behaviour would cause any person to reasonably fear that he and others assembled would commit a breach of the peace. Mr. Leung was escorted to the court today. He has said the case against him showed the international community how ridiculous Hong Kong had become. Mr. Leung did not request bail. A bus union is calling off plans for industrial action over the arrest of a New World First bus driver last Sunday, when anti-government protests were taking place. The Federation of Bus Industry Trade Unions made the decision after police charged the driver with careless driving, which the union says is reasonable. The bus driver had been arrested on suspicion of dangerous driving and possessing an offensive weapon, namely a spanner. Police accused him of travelling at high speed on Nathan Road and honking his horn in an unreasonable manner. The bus firm said records show the driver was travelling at speeds of between 10 to 35 kilometres an hour. A Hong Kong scientist has been awarded the Breakthrough Prize in Life Sciences and $24 million for his research. Professor Dennis Lowe of the Chinese University discovered fetal DNA is present in the mother's blood and can be used for prenatal testing, leading his team to develop a non-invasive test for Down syndrome and a variety of generic diseases. The test has been widely adopted in over 90 countries and is used by more than 7 million pregnant women every year. The prize, known as the Oscars of Science, is the most generous science award to date. At least three people have been injured in a powerful explosion near a hotel in Zhuhai. It's not yet known what caused the blast in Domen District around 9 a.m. Footage online shows the hotel entrance, nearby residences, and cars badly damaged. More than 50 firefighters were deployed. Microsoft has warned that cyber attacks from Russia, China, and Iran, targeting people and organizations involved in November's U.S. presidential election, have been stepped up in recent weeks. The company says that the majority of these attacks were detected and stopped, and that those targeted have been notified. The BBC's Nomia Iqbal is in Washington. What makes this so different and worrying is the scale of it and the way it's focused on trying to sow doubt in the mind of voters through disinformation. You know, social media has always been quite polarizing, and obviously, with social distancing in place right now in the U.S. and people using postal voting, parties and people are relying more on social media, and so it's got this potential to warp the political landscape. The foreign ministers of India and China say they have agreed that troops from their two countries must quickly disengage from a border standoff. The two men held talks in Moscow on the sidelines of a regional conference. It was their first meeting since months of tension along the undemarcated frontier turned deadly in June. Twenty Indian soldiers were killed, and there were reports of Chinese casualties. Britain says it won't withdraw controversial legislation that the European Commission has urged it to scrap by the end of the month. After talks in London, the visiting Commission vice president said Britain had seriously damaged trust. Here's the BBC's Katja Adler. 
This was a clear escalation in language, an uncharacteristically blunt and direct warning from the EU to Downing Street with an ultimatum for the government. But significantly, Brussels stopped short of threatening to pull out of the ongoing trade negotiations between the two sides. So, under these circumstances, can trade talks succeed? Michel Barnier, the EU's chief negotiator, published an extensive list this evening of still-to-be-resolved issues. Time is running out. So is any trust the two sides had in one another. Cathay Pacific and Cathay Dragon say they won't be applying for a second round of wage subsidies under a government scheme, which will pave the way for the two major airlines in Hong Kong to lay off staff. In a statement, Cathay's general manager for corporate affairs, Andy Wong, says the operating environment remains extremely challenging and it's inevitable that it will need to adjust to address the reduced travel market. However, he says some of the Cathay Group's subsidiaries, such as Hong Kong Express and Cathay Pacific Catering Services, will be applying for subsidies under the scheme, which will cover wages between September and November. The chairwoman of the Confederation of Trade Unions, Carol Ong, has called on the loss-making Cathay Pacific to offer the best possible redundancy package to its staff should it decide to fire them. If this is what your decisions to decide, um, asking your staff to take early retirement or a redundancy program, then within your ability, and please pay the package as good as possible. Because all, all these senior staff or long-term serving staff, um, they must be hardly heat this time. So I, I think um, as a reasonable and be socially responsible employer, um, please consider to pay them in a very decent package for them to leave. In what could be Saudi Arabia's most high-profile direct investment in a Chinese company, its sovereign fund is reportedly weighing a potential investment in the initial public offering of Ant Group. Ant, Alibaba's fintech arm and China's dominant mobile payments firm, filed for a dual listing in Hong Kong and Shanghai last month. The offering size could reach as much as 30 billion US dollars if market conditions allow, making it the world's largest IPO. Citigroup in the United States has become the first major Wall Street bank to appoint a woman as chief executive. Jane Fraser, who is currently president of the group and leads its consumer banking operation, will take up her new role next year. Here's the BBC's Andrew Walker. Finance has long had a reputation as a male-dominated industry. One obvious indication of that is the fact that there's never been a woman leading one of the major US banks. Jane Fraser will be the first to break that pattern when she takes charge at Citigroup. Outside the US, it is also very unusual. Alison Rose is chief executive of the NatWest Group in Britain, and in Spain, Anna Botin is Sanders' executive chairman. That is the word used by the bank, though not its chief executive. There have been more women in charge at central banks, which are public sector institutions, notably Christine Lagarde in the Eurozone and previously Janet Yellen at the US Federal Reserve. To stocks a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,413, 100 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $47 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 106.16 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 93 cents. Now to sport, here's Asim Chung. We start with tennis. Victoria Azarenka has beaten Serena Williams at the US Open and will face Naomi Osaka in the women's final. 
Azarenka, a two-time Grand Slam winner and former world number one, came from a set down to beat Williams, who took a medical timeout early in the third set to tape up an injured left ankle. Azarenka went on to win 1-6-6-3-6-3 to secure a third final appearance at Flushing Meadows while looking to win it for the first time. Osaka won the tournament in 2018 and is back in the final after beating Jennifer Brady 7-6-3-6-6-3. In auto racing, the four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel says he's looking forward to driving for his new team on a more level playing field in the new Formula One season. The former Red Bull driver is leaving Ferrari at the end of the current season after signing with Aston Martin, the team that was formed as Force India. The team's uh, performances this year obviously are very encouraging. I think uh, even more so though is the fact that where the regulations are going uh, into hopefully a more and more level playing field, I think uh, it will be a lot of firsts and uh, first time for, for the team to, to be in a position to uh, have probably the same money as other, other teams. The Kansas City Chiefs have made a winning start to their NFL title defense by beating the Houston Texans in the opening match of the new American football season. Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes threw for 211 yards and three touchdowns in a 34-20 Chiefs win. A socially distanced crowd of 17,000 watched the game at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. And while the NFL promised to recognize racial injustice, a section of the fans booed when the two teams lined up for a moment of unity ahead of the game. Aussie Umanyora, a two-time Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants, says people will have to accept that players will use the platform to raise awareness of serious issues. Players have the right to protest and they have the right to do whatever it is that they feel is necessary to do and the league must support its players. And so I understand people who don't want to see that. I understand people who just want to watch a football game. I get that completely. But you also have to understand that these issues do need to be addressed, and this is pretty much our only way of getting them addressed. The Los Angeles Lakers raised to a 110-100 victory over the Houston Rockets to take a commending three games to one lead in the NBA's Western Conference semifinal. Anthony Davis led the Lakers with 29 points. The Lakers and the Clippers are both one win away from cementing an all-LA Western final. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. The chairman of the Lankwai Fong Group, Alan Zeman, says bars could reopen next Friday if coronavirus numbers continue to drop. Pressure grows on the government to distribute another round of cash handouts. And ousted lawmaker Sixtus Leung gets the nod to file an appeal with the city's top court against his conviction for unlawful assembly. The news from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Friday afternoon. Friday, the 11th of September, is today's date. Many thanks to Phil for the morning brew today. We're turning to medical issues on today's 123 show. In about 10 minutes or so, we'll be chatting with Dr. Sandy Pang about uh, colorectal cancer and colon cancer and why screening is so important as part of this prevention process. And we hope to be uh, streaming this interview uh, to you on the Facebook page. Dr. Sandy Pang uh, is a specialist in gastroenterology and also hepatology, which is basically stomach and liver functions, and uh, will be answering some of your questions. Should you have anything about the screening process and how uh, we can better look after our colon health? And uh, after the 2.30 news, we'll be talking about women's health and fitness with Andrea Ramirez, who is the founder of AndFit Hong Kong. And we hope uh, you can uh, drop us an email if you have any questions or or any thoughts or any comments, the email is 123show at rthk.hk. That's 123show at rthk.hk. You can also find us on Facebook, which is Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. Let's go back to the 90s uh, for some tunes. This song is from 1999, and it's Feel Good by Fats and Small.